نحمده ونصلي على رسوله الكريم أما بعد In this time inshallah we'll read from the various writings of the Akabir in particular Hazrat Muhammad Shahki Mawad Akhtar Sahib Rahmatullahi was Shaykh in Murshid and apart from him inshallah the even writings of some of the other Akabir nothing that we might hear may be new especially those of us who had been in Atikaf last year the year before that is never the thing that we should be focusing on that what is new so what I heard last year what else will I hear this year new is not the issue the issue is that to what extent have we developed those qualities that are being discussed apart from that the repetition should become a means of further strengthening those qualities if to some extent we are already practicing on it in the quran sharif allah taala says wazakkir fa inna dhikra tanfa'ul mu'minin remind zakkir so remind the person is reminded about something he already <coughs> was aware of if a person wasn't aware of something at all he didn't know something you don't say you reminded him then you told it to him for the first time after the first time now you're reminding him for the second time for the tenth time so a reminder is a repetition and in this word zakir is that repetition also that keep reminding so we're to remind ourselves to remind others this reminder is beneficial Allah Ta'ala is saying beneficial for the believers so when Allah Ta'ala is saying it's beneficial so that benefit is 100% provided we are ready to take it one is that the rain is pouring down the rain is coming but the utensil has to be right side up if a person has a 1000 liter or 10,000 liter tank also but it is upside down so all the water will flow out of it if he has a small cup but it's right side up that too even if it's half a drop coming it'll get full so the point is that this beneficial this reminder is beneficial for us in any case but we need to have our hearts open to it to receive it and take the reminder the second thing is that these discussions are for the purpose of our Islam our reformation sometimes some things might be apparently in our lives already it might not be in somebody else's life maybe outwardly and sometimes we might be deficient in some things but whether it appears to be already something we are practicing on or whether somebody else may be apparently deficient in it all the time the focus must be on ourselves focus must be personally towards ourselves this is the trap of shaitan that when a person listens to something or even speaks something shaitan takes the mind to somebody else and I hope so and so is listening or this applies to that person so as soon as our mind starts drifting to somebody else that this applies to so and so 
and that benefit will be lost to us. If the speaker is talking that this applies to somebody else, he'll lose out. If the listener is listening for applying to somebody else, he'll lose out. So this has to be focused towards ourselves. This is for me. Now if a person apparently is practicing on it, then what is it for him? The same thing, the same emphasis that this is something that must strengthen, must continue. This little booklet that we have in front of us is titled Four Actions to Acquire the Friendship of Allah Ta'ala. So this is something, this is a lesson this initially was published perhaps about 10-12 years ago at the most. The Urdu version, then it got translated into English. So the first time when the Urdu version got published, a very small little booklet, there were other things then added on later, but the original booklet is very, very small. It's probably about 25-30 pages of this, this size pages. So that very small, concise booklet, Latala's Tawfiq and Fazal, we happened to be there at that time when it was just first printed and just came. Rahmatullah was extremely excited about this. And in that Juma talk, he announced that this booklet has now just arrived and it will be distributed. And then he said that this is the summary of my 80 years of experience. This is the summary of my 80 years of experience. Now a person who's seen the highs and lows, person who has been at the feet of great awliya and akabir of the time, person has been the mentor and the sheikh and peer of thousands throughout the world. In Bangladesh alone, I think, there are more than 100,000 people that were bid to us. That too, I think, is a very conservative figure. In Pakistan, Allah knows best how many, and throughout the world. A person who's seen all this high and low and handled people's situations, has been involved in helping people by the thousands to get out of their problems and difficulties, spiritual maladies. Now he is saying that I am presenting my 80 years of experience. And that too being summarized in this size pages, 22, 30, 25, 30 pages. So 80 years in that amount. So this will be something very, very straightforward. Then on top of that, this booklet was published. It was distributed at that time in every majlis. And one year later, Allah Ta'ala gave Taufik to go back. That was still the practice at that time. Thereafter, it wasn't so frequent. But initially, so it seemed like it was for more than a year. This was the practice. That at the, towards the end of every majlis, and if not every majlis of the day, at least one majlis of the day, somebody would be asked to stand up and repeat these four actions as it's titled. The summary of it, most of the time used to be Hazrat Mir Sahib Rahmatullah sometimes somebody else, every day at least once, the same four aspects are being repeated. And most of the time, during that majlis, 90% of the people attending would, or maybe 80%, would be those who were there for the previous majlis also. 
So for more than one year, this was perhaps the practice that this was a daily revision. So if we absorb this with that in mind, if this is the experience of a personality of that caliber, who is himself saying that this is my 80 years of experience, that a person brings these four things into his life. He brings these four things into his life, then inshallah, the rest of him, things that need to come into one's life is very easy. It will come in very, very easily, inshallah. These four things must come in very well. So, this is the thing that we will read, inshallah. We can just discuss it just like that also. The brief summary of it, but there's benefit in reading the words of the halullah. So, inshallah, with that in mind, we will read through this. Four actions to acquire the friendship of Allah Ta'ala by Shaykh Al-Arab Al-Ajam, Hazrat Mawlana Shah Hakim Mawad Akhtar Sahib, Rahmatullahi Alayhi. There are four actions if one adopts, inshallah, he will become the Waliullah, the friend, become a Waliullah, the friend of Allah Ta'ala before he passes away. This is a very, very big, you may call it a claim, but this claim is not just by the way, this is in the light of, as Hazrat mentioned, 80 years of his experience. That inshallah, he will become a waliullah before he passes away. With the blessing of practicing on these four actions, inshallah, he will gain the ability of practicing on all the commands of deen. This is the clarification that this is not the whole of deen in these four actions. Like in Jamaat, we talk about the six points. That is also explained. That these six points is not the whole of deen. But a person starts practicing on these six points, then it will become easy to practice on the whole of deen. So likewise, as is saying, you want to become a wali of Allah Ta'ala, then these four actions a person brings in his life, then the rest of it will become very easy. This is due to the fact that generally, people find these actions difficult. Since it is difficult on the nafs. And whatever is the nafs is the obstacle. Shaitan is the external enemy. And the real enemy is nafs. Hazrat on one occasion explained that nafs is a bigger enemy than shaitan. One considers that shaitan, before shaitan, who was a shaitan? At one time, shaitan was not Iblis as he is now, at one time he was Azazil. He was Mu'allimul Malaika. He was the teacher of the Malaika. He was among the angels. And then he became debased, he became rejected when he was given the command to make sajda towards Adam salam, and he refused and that became the means of him getting rejected from the court of Allah Ta'ala. So at that point he became shaitan. But before that, there was no shaitan. So what became the means of his rejection? What became the means of him getting waylaid? It was his own nafs. So nafs made shaitan shaitan. This is a greater enemy than shaitan itself. And this nafs is within us. 
This nafs is the greatest enemy within us. So as long as this nafs is not subdued, it's not crushed, then that road to the friendship of Allah Ta'ala, this will remain an obstacle in it. Therefore, because these aspects are a little difficult on the nafs, it crushes the nafs to a point. As a result, the road becomes clear to reach Allah Ta'ala. This is due to the fact that generally people find these actions difficult since it is difficult on the nafs, the inner self. The student who manages to answer the difficult questions in the question paper will have no problem answering the easy questions. Hence the one who suppresses his nafs for the pleasure of Allah Ta'ala and practices on the following actions, it will become easy for him to practice on the entire deen and he will become the wali of Allah Ta'ala. The first action, keeping a beard to the extent of one fist in length. This is the first thing. Again, keeping in mind, there are many, many things in deen. This is saying, I'm giving you my 80 years of experience. And a person who brings these four things, then inshallah, everything else will fall into place easily. So the first thing Hazrat is explaining here is the aspect about the beard. Again here, just to repeat what we said at the beginning, we should be focusing on ourselves. As I mentioned, that Hazrat used to repeatedly discuss this. One of Hazrat Khadims, he once mentioned, that apart from the majlises where this used to get repeated almost daily, once they were in Hazrat's room, four people only. It was himself and another three people, all who were there for years, meaning coming in and out, and all, mashallah, had a full beard, all were associated with Hazrat for many years. And just the four of them were there in the camera in the room. And then Hazrat started talking about the beard again. And he went on at length emphasizing the importance of the beard. Now, this person says that it carried on crossing my mind that there's four people here. Mashallah, all have a full beard. This is a topic that is repeated in every majlis. We hear it daily. We are here now in the room alone with Hazrat. Nobody else is here. And he's talking about the same topic again. And at such length and emphasizing it so much. Maybe he should have been telling us some other things which would have been more applicable to us. That is the waswasa he says that crossed my mind. This thought came. But nevertheless, I, he says I dispelled it. That we should be listening to whatever we are being told. Shouldn't be entertaining all these thoughts. In any case, that thought came and went, and after some time, then that topic was over, and time passed. He says, some weeks later, one of the other three people that were there in the room with him at that time, he came to him, this person who is relating it, so he says that this person came to him and he said to him that, you remember we were there in the room, Hazrat was talking at length about the beard. He says, yes, it crossed my mind also. This waswasa came to me at that time. That, Mashallah, all who are present at this moment all have a full beard. All are here for years. But in any case, I then dismissed that thought. This person is then saying to him that I don't know what overcame me. I don't know what overcame me. He's talking about like the day before that discussion. That I was being dragged as if I was being dragged to go and shave my beard off. And each time that this I was feeling this pull from within or this temptation, this whole 
discussion that was, uh, that was repeating in the room was flashing in front of my mind again. And that became the means of saving me and stopping me from this deed. So sometimes it appears to be just a by-the-way discussion. Sometimes it appears to be something just a repetition, something but futile, Allah forbid. But there is nothing futile. And especially in the... Now, as we mentioned, Hazrat used to repeatedly say this. This is my 80 years experience. And there was a deep hikmat in the daily repetition. of the, He used to take... Somebody would summarize this in five, seven minutes sometimes at the end of the Maglis. But it would happen for the whole year almost, more than a year. So here again, this is one aspect that never feel that I am above this. This doesn't apply to me. It all applies to all of us. And then to focus towards ourselves. If somebody has been deficient in some aspect, all it requires immediately is toba from the heart. And a person is counted as somebody that is safe from that already. So this is the first thing that a person, that Hazrat is explaining here, that the first action, keep a beard to the extent of one fist in length. The following is reported in the narration of Bukhari Sharif. Khaliful mushrikeen, waffirul luha, wahfush shawarib. That in the hadith of Bukhari Sharif it is mentioned that oppose the idolaters. Nabi Sallallahu says, oppose the idolaters, the mushrikeen. How? Lengthen the beard and shorten the mustache. When Hazrat Ibn Umar who used to go for Hajj or Umrah, he would take hold of his beard in his fist. Whatever of the beard was in excess of the fist, he would trim it. So from here we understand what is the limit, that under which we cannot trim it. It has to be the extent of one first. And in explaining this, perhaps it might come a little further. Hazrat, you say, make sure it is your own first. Sometimes a person goes to the barber, he says to the barber, look, one first must be minimum one first. Then the barber's small child is there, he says, put your fist on my chin. And now he trims his beard to the extent of one first of who? The barber's child's first. So the barber's child's first is not the measure. If he had a beard, then it was for him then. So our own first and under the chin, not from the mouth down. Sometimes maybe the point of measurement might get confused. So from under the chin, minimum one first. In another narration of Bukhari Sharif, it is narrated that Rasulullah said, In wa'fulluha. Make the mustache extremely short and lengthen the beard. It is wajib to keep a beard to the extent of one first. Often it is expressed as sunnat. The beard is sunnat. It is sunnat in the sense that it is the practice of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa But the emphasis upon the beard that Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa placed and the warnings for trimming it below the length of one first or shaving it, that has elevated it to the status of wajib. So when it is expressed as sunnat, unfortunately our minds often take sunnat to be something that sunnat means something that you can leave out. This is the definition of sunnat in our minds. That sunnat means something that you can leave out. Nafil, something you can leave out. Mustahab, something you can leave out. So our definition starts off on this note. All these things means, na'uzu billah, that it is things that you can leave out. 
And for the Sahaba Ikram, the definition of Sunnah was something to give your life for. This was the definition among the Sahaba. Not necessarily that they defined it technically like this, but in practice, this was their definition. That Sunnah is something that there's no, nothing that can equate it. So, when we say that this is Sunnah, Sunnah doesn't mean something that is insignificant, Nauzubillah. Sometimes, the, technically speaking, something might be right, but the tone can be very dangerous. The tone can be very dangerous. Sometimes something is expressed or explained that this is Sunnah. So, in response, a person will say, well, it's only Sunnah. It's only Sunnah that's a very dangerous tone. Because that tends to trivialize the sunnah. That it is nothing major, na'uzubillah. It is nothing great. It is a small thing, na'uzubillah. Whereas sunnah is sunnah. It's not a small thing. It's a very big thing. It is something, as we said, the sahaba kiram in their definition, sunnah was something to give you a life for. So, this is it, that it is wajib. It is wajib to keep a beard to the extent of one first, just as it is wajib to perform witr salah. This is to now explain to us what is this, the position of it. So just as it is wajib to perform witr salah and Eid, Eid salah on Eid al-Fitr and Eid al-Adha. For example, the day of Eid comes, the person says, well, it's, uh, I'm not going for Eid salah. Can we imagine somebody deliberately just missing his Eid salah? You say, what is wrong with you? This is wajib. So likewise, to keep a beard is wajib. So just as it is wajib to perform witr salah and eat salah, similarly it is wajib to keep a beard to the extent of one first in length. All the four imams are unanimous in this regard. Allama Shami rahmatullahi states, Amma akhdul lihya wa hiya madun al-qubda kama yaf'aluhu ba'dul mughariba wa mukhannathatul rijal falam yubihu ahadun. To trim the beard shorter than one first in length as practiced by some people of the West this has not been permitted by anyone. Hakimul Ummat Mujaddidul Millat Mawla Ashraf Ali Thanwi Sahib Rahmatullah writes in Beshti Zawar, it is haram to shave the beard as well as to trim it to less than the length of one first. The word dhari, Urdu word for beard, comes from the word dhar, that means jaw. Therefore, the beard should be to the extent of one first under the chin as well as the right and left of the jaw, on either side of the jaw. It is wajib to grow the beard to one first length on all three sides. Some people grow the beard to one first under the chin, but trim it to less than a first on other sides. This is incorrect. If any one of the three sides of the beard has been shortened to lesser than one first, to even the extent of one grain of rice, that is a few millimeters, this action will be haram and a major sin. So this is the first aspect that Hazrat explains that it is his life's experience, that of the four things, this one aspect the person also brings into his life, it becomes the means of opening the road to vilayat for him. So this was the first aspect. Then the second aspect. The second action, to keep the ankles exposed. That is not to cover the ankles with the trouser, pants, kurta, etc. It is haram, and a major sin for males to cover their ankles with their garments. The narration of Bukhari Sharif states, "Ma asfala min al min al izari fi nar." 
that whatever portion of the ankles is covered by any garment, such as the pants, lungi, kurta, sheet, etc., will be in the fire. Sometimes, when these aspects are discussed, sometimes some people make a comment that is there nothing else in deen besides the beard and the length of the pants? There are such major things in deen, there's the only thing to discuss. So the answer to that is that indeed this is not the whole of deen, but this is a very important part of deen. It's not the whole of deen, it's a very important part of deen, that's the first thing. The second thing is that who discussed this? Who discussed this first? This has been discussed by Rasulullah And did he discuss it just one time? He repeatedly emphasized this in so many different ways. So when he emphasized it, is this not for the Ummah to do the same? So this is all the tricks of shaitan to divert a person away from things he should be doing. So they make a person appear, well there are other things, so I am doing the other things, this is not so important. Everything that has its place, other aspects also are important, but this is also important and very important. It is clearly understood from this narration that to cover the ankles is a major sin. Since the warning of punishment of the fire of Jahannam is not given with regard to minor sins. On minor sins, this warning doesn't come. On major sins, the warning of Jahannam comes. And here that's the warning. That whatever is beneath the, whatever of the uh, ankle is uh, covered by any garment, that will be in the fire of Jahannam. In Bazlul Majhud, the commentary of Sunan Abu Dawood, Allama Khalil Ahmad Saharam Puri Rahmatullahi writes, that Izar in the above hadith refers to every such garment that covers the ankles from above, such as the pants, lungi, kurta, etc. To cover the ankles with such garments is forbidden. Izar does not refer to anything that is worn from below, such as socks. Hence, there is no sin in covering the ankles with socks. Therefore, if somebody really wishes to cover his ankles, he should wear socks. The prohibition of covering the ankles with garments worn from above is applicable in two conditions only, while standing or walking. Thus, while sitting or reclining, if the ankles are covered by one's izar, which would often happen, because now the garment would go lower, the person is sitting, there is no harm if this happens while sitting, etc. Some people are under the serious misconception that it is only necessary to expose the ankles in salah. Therefore, upon entering the masjid, they fold up their pants and expose their ankles and upon leaving, once more unfold the pants. It should be remembered well that the prohibition of covering the ankles is not restricted to salah. <coughs> the ankles must remain uncovered by one's pants, kurta, etc. while standing or walking or else one would be committing a major sin. Allama Khalil Ahmad Saharampuri Rahmatullahi also states, this command of uncovering the ankles applies to males and not to females. Unfortunately, this is the whole thing that goes upside down. Many of the things that apply to males, the females practice on that. And what applies to females, the males want to practice on it. What is meant for each one, that we don't want to do. So here, to uncover the ankles, this is applying to males. Unfortunately, the females will adhere to this. And covering the ankles applies to males, that the 
females don't want to do, the males are now making qaza on their behalf. So this doesn't work. On the day of Qiyamah, this won't serve as any excuse. Once a Sahabi radiallahu said to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, Inni hamishu saqeen. That my shins have dried up. What this meant was that due to the narrowness of my shins, including my ankles, have dried up and become thin and unsightly. I therefore wish to cover my ankles. However, Rasulullah did not permit him to do so. <clears throat> Instead, he said to him, Inna Allaha la yuhibbul musbila. Verily, Allah Ta'ala does not love the one who covers his ankles. Now, this is the point that our whole quest, our whole objective is to acquire the love of Allah Ta'ala. So we have to stay away from all those things that distance a person away from the love of Allah Ta'ala. For example, the lowering of the garment below the ankle, inna allaha la yuhibbul musbil. Allah Ta'ala does not love such a person. So now we are bringing this barrier between us and the love of Allah Ta'ala. Dear friends, ponder, is it wise that one should deprive himself of the love of Allah Ta'ala by means of covering his ankles? Sometimes, like this is one of the things that is discussed also on the 15th night of Sha'ban, <coughs> that the great blessings that are descended on that night, the forgiveness of Allah Ta'ala, then there are some categories of people that are deprived of the forgiveness of that night. Among one of those categories is, among those categories, one of the categories is, the person who keeps his garments below his ankles. Now, sometimes people ask this question also, but after all, what is the link? What is the hikmat? So the point is that we don't have to get into that hikmat. That is not our duty. And that hikmat is not something that matters to us whether we know it or not. The person, the being, the personality who is saying it to us, he knows the hikmat. The doctor doesn't have to explain all the details of why he's prescribing this medication. He gives the medication, you take it and go. The person wants to start now debating with the doctor, but why? So he says, go find somebody else. Your job is to take the medication. Rasulullah he is inspired by Allah Ta'ala directly with wahi. So in the light of the wahi from Allah Ta'ala, he is giving this command. Why is not our job. Our job is what and how. What we have to do, how we have to do it. Why we have to do it, that is Allah Ta'ala's prerogative. Nabi Salaam has explained it to us. But if we get to know why, well and good, we don't get to know, it doesn't matter to us. We have to worry about what we have to do, how we have to do it. <coughs> on another occasion, Rasulullah Salaam said to a sahabi whose sheet was dragging on the floor, is there not an example for you in my way of life? This is a part of one narration. Once one person was walking and his garment was dragging along, touching the ground little. So Nabi Salaam said to him from behind, he saw him walking in this way. So he said to him, that raise your lower garment. This is a means of keeping it cleaner also because it won't get soiled and it's a means of greater taqwa. It's a means of piety. So this person, when he realized that he is being advised by Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, so he thought perhaps it is more because 
this is going to become soiled. So he sort of presented uh, not an argument, but he just presented some reasoning of why he didn't take too much care. He said that this is an old sheet. It's something which is a very uh, nothing expensive. It's just an ordinary, very basic sheet. So if it gets torn a bit too, it's not anything major. So he presented some reason of why he didn't take too much care. So now there could have been many answers to this. But what was the answer? The one answer was an answer for all answers. The simple answer Nabi Salaam gave to him was, Amalaka fiya uswatun. That is there not an example for you in my way of life? Bas. The one answer to answer every objection that can ever come, every question that can be asked in this regard, one simple answer, that is there not a, an example for you in my way of life? He says, I looked at Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and his garment was midway by his shin. So that is the first division, first class pass. Nabi Salaam says, if you wish, you may lower it a little and a little more if you wish, but not covering the ankles at all. It should be above the ankle. The question is actually an affectionate warning. This question that Nabi Salaam asked the Sahabi, that is there not an example for you in my way of life? This question is actually an affectionate warning. Thus, the mere claim of love is not sufficient. Love in reality forces one to follow his beloved. The poet expresses this in the following couplet. لَوْ كَانَ حُبُّكَ صَادِقًا لَأَطَعْتَهُ إِنَّ الْمُحِبَّ لِمَنْ يُحِبُّ مُطِيعُ That had you been true in your claim of love, you would have obeyed him. Verily the lover is obedient to the beloved. This is something which we see all the time. We see all the time being practiced out that a person has attached his heart to something or someone, whoever that someone might be. So now he wants to do everything how that someone wants it to be. Or what he thinks will please that someone. Sometimes that someone is somebody who doesn't even know him. People start following all these so-called stars, these falling stars. Now that falling star, they become idol. Those falling stars become their idols. Now how that person dresses, they want to dress exactly like that. That person's name must be also emblazoned somewhere. And if that person has got a certain kind of hairstyle, then they'll make the hairstyle like that. Even if it is resembling maybe a mop or something, is fine. But if that person has that kind of a hairstyle, then that hairstyle I must have as well. If that person dresses in a certain way, then that must be the dressing. Whereas that person doesn't know that this very ardent follower of mine even exists. He doesn't even have the slightest idea that this person is on the face of this earth. And if Allah forbid, if that person doesn't get hidayat, then he is heading towards Jahannam, then this follower also is in that same path. But because there's something that came in the heart regarding this person, there's some admiration. That this person can kick a ball in a very ajib way between three posts. So that's an expertise that he has. What a productive expertise. Allah knows what it has benefited humanity that he managed to kick a ball between three posts. How many people's life came for the better, somebody's poverty went away, somebody... But that's an expertise now that became a point of admiration. 
And Allah knows best, somebody might be even saying subhanallah on the way he did it. What a travesty of this is. This is. But the point is that when that kind of futile admiration comes in the heart of somebody, now he wants to dress like that. What is this? This is love. Misplaced love, but that is love that makes a person do this. So the love is to be directed towards Rasulullah The poet is saying that every mu'min, this is his claim. And indeed, every mu'min has the love of Rasulullah There is no mu'min that can be devoid of this love. So this is there without doubt in the heart of every mu'min. But the extent of that love is the issue. The love is there, but it is not to that extent yet that drives a person to do what his beloved would be happy with. So this is the thing to increase that love to the extent that it now becomes a driving force from within. There's only so much that a person can be pulled from outside. It's like a tow truck towing something can only be towed up to a point. Can't be towing the whole life one car around. The car is not driving on his own, so permanently now he's hitched to a tow truck. Person wants to go anyway, he's jumping in his car, say the tow truck to tow him around. That would be a totally foolish thing. It never, never, never works like that. That car must drive itself. So externally, a person can only be with Sometimes maybe some senior is warning him, his parents or somebody ustad or something, yeah, uh, giving him warnings or he's being told in some way. So that is all towing to a point. That advice is necessary also. That towing to some extent is required also. But that engine has to be developed inside. That without being told, that drives the person himself. That is the muhabbat, the love of Allah Ta'ala the love of Rasulullah When this comes in the heart, then there's no tow truck required. Then that vehicle will move on its own steam to wherever it needs to go. So this is what is being said here. لَوْ كَانَ حُبُّكَ صَادِقًا لَأَطَعْتَهُ إِنَّ الْمُحِبَّ لِمَنْ يُحِبُّ مُطِيعُ Had you been true in your love, you would have obeyed him. Verily the lover is obedient to the beloved. The dictates of the love of Allah Ta'ala and his Rasul demands that we do not disobey them. If we obey every command of his, then we are indeed true in our claim of love. So, these are the teachings of Rasulullah These are his emphasized commands. So, the love for Nabi will constrain a person to now obey that, to be conducting himself according to what Rasulullah has taught. So, these were the first two actions. Inshallah, the next two We'll continue with tomorrow. So this is the thing that we should be now reflecting on. Again, just to mention what we said in the beginning, that this is the summary of what Hazrat used to present as his 80 years of experience. That a person brings these things in his life, inshallah, other things will come in very easily. And this will become a barrier towards many major sins. Sometimes, some things seem to be just... Well, said in passing, once one person, while Hazrat was in South Africa, he was in Durban, so somebody phoned him from America. There was somebody studying in one university there. And he was expressing the challenge and the difficulty that he experiences 
in that university environment, and especially the immorality, the vice, and he says that every now and then, every day, almost, there's an open invitation towards zina and sin. And now, he's being forced by his parents, whatever the case is, he's there. How does he now protect himself? How does he keep himself safe? So now, this was something that he just now on the phone, he asked. So, at that time, we could only, everybody was sitting there, or many people were sitting there in the room. So they could hear Hazrat's side of the conversation. Then he explained that this is what this person, after the call was over, that this is what this person had asked. And this is the difficulty that he is experiencing. So when he asked this question, so spontaneously Hazrat said to him, number one, you make sure you carry a tasbih in your hand all the time. While you are on campus, all the time, you carry a tasbih in your hand. And he said to him, mote dane wali tasbih. Tasbih which has big beads. Sometimes such now a person has been told now you must carry one tasbih. So he'll find such a tasbih that the whole thing can get covered inside his hand. Then write to the sheikh, mashallah, I'm carrying the tasbih in my hand. So that wasn't the object that it can be hidden inside the palm and walk around and say, well, I got the tasbih in my hand. The object was that number one, you carry the tasbih, it must be visible to everybody also you're carrying it. Therefore they said to him, carry one tasbih which got big beads. So now obviously all that big bees, he can't squeeze it inside his hand. They have to hold it as a tasbih. And then he told him, <clears throat> and make sure you always are wearing an amama, also a big amama. Now, this sounds a little bit strange. Big amama and a tasbih with big beads. So then Hazrat explained the hikmat of this. Every time, the hikmat and the wisdom of everything is not explained in detail, because that is again, not necessary for a person to always know all the hikmat He's supposed to know what he's supposed to do, that's it. But the Ahlullah, the Mashaykh, Alhamdulillah, to encourage a person, they from time to time explain why also. So that explained, that now this person is going to walk around on campus like that, with this biggish turban, and with this tasbih, with biggish beads in his hand. So if anybody has any kind of intention also of trying to invite him towards any haram, from a distance they'll see him and say, this fellow keep out of his way. Don't know what he might be on another level. Whatever his level is, say this person walks, seems to be walking on the sky somewhere, so stay far away from his way. Or they might take him as a write off. This person probably seems like he is in, out of this world. So if somebody who wants to commit haram writes one off, Alhamdulillah. What a great protection this is that we get written off by those who want to invite us towards haram. That is the best thing that can happen to a person that he's actually being written off by shaitan, so to say. That shaitan is saying, now I lost hope in this person. Now outwardly it's just two things. And a person might say, but he's not in my heart. This is what will bring it in the heart. This obedience to whatever the mashayikh explain, what their prescriptions are, this is something which, when a person does it wholeheartedly, Sometimes there's two different things. One is some natural or, or some difficulty a person experiences, meaning he's not accustomed to something, so he finds it a little difficult sometimes, a little challenging. That is not what is meant, that it is not being done wholeheartedly. Or he finds some kind of hesitation in doing it. It can still be wholehearted. Wholehearted in the sense that despite the hesitation I'm feeling, despite the 
difficulty I may be experiencing. But I have been prescribed this, I am going to do it. That is the wholeheartedness. Whatever I feel, I feel like doing it, don't feel like doing it, I'm going to do it. When that is the attitude, that is wholehearted. Because feelings are feelings, feelings are not in his control. Now, sometimes he's feeling uh, a little hesitant to do something. Sometimes he's feeling enthusiastic about it. The feelings will keep fluctuating. But he says, come what may, whether I want to do it or not, I have been told to do this, I'm going to do it. Now that is the wholeheartedness. So when a person wholeheartedly latches on to what he has been advised, then Allah Ta'ala gives the full benefit of it. Allah Ta'ala then opens the road for what that prescription is meant to acquire. That prescription then brings about its desired benefit for him. So the giver is Allah Ta'ala. The giver is Allah Ta'ala. And Wallahu yuzakki mayyasha. Allah Ta'ala purifies who he wills, who he wishes. So Allah Ta'ala is seeing the effort. Many a times, Hazrat used to explain about the communication with the Shaykh. So he used to say that you do your duty. When there is an issue, you write your letter and go and put it into the post box. In those days, that was the only way of communication, especially in distances. Phoning was a very rare thing, it was a very expensive thing, and there wasn't other, all the technology nowadays we have. So the letter was the way of communicating. So I used to say that you do your job, you write your letter, you put in your issue, and you go and put it in the post box. To get a reply also is not your job. When you have done this, who have you done this for? You have written your letter, you have gone and you have put it into that post box for who you did this. You did it for the sheikh, not for the sheikh. You did it for Allah Ta'ala. The object of that communication was to get close to Allah Ta'ala. You were experiencing maybe some obstacle, so you have now written, this is my problem, which is becoming an obstacle to getting to Allah Ta'ala. So you did this for Allah Ta'ala's sake. So for who you did it, he saw it. And who is going to make the solution, grant the solution? Not the sheikh. The sheikh hasn't got anything in his control. The giver of the solution is also Allah Ta'ala. So when you have done your part of it, the solution will always start coming. There are many people who are around even today. Some of them, I've heard from them personally. Many of them were associated with Hazrat of Jalalabad. So many of them I have heard personally from them that on numerous occasions this happened. Numerous experiences each one had. That there was some issue. So the person wrote a letter and he went and posted it. Now that letter would take, in those days it used to take about 7 to 10 days to reach India. So it will take 10 days to reach then it might take a few days before it gets attended to. And then it will take another 10 days to come back. So the whole process would be almost a month. Now the issue is sometimes urgent. And now he knows that this issue needs to be, I need to make a decision, or I need to resolve this within days. And this whole process, this letter won't reach before 10 days. He says, but they used to do what they have to do. He used to write the letter, 
go and put it in the post box. By the second day, already the matter is resolved. By the third day, already that issue is gone. Oh, what problem they were trying to figure out which way to turn, decide this way or that way. Everything just opened out that this is the way to turn. Whereas the letter hadn't even reached, that's for sure. Because it'll take 10 days to reach, it's three days time, things are already all sorted out. So the giver is Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala is observing that my servant has taken this effort to do what he has to do to get closer to me. So Allah Ta'ala is the giver, Allah Ta'ala grants it on that. So likewise, all these things that are prescribed, now this, we digressed from this point, about this person now has had expressed his problem, his difficulty while on campus and the challenge that he's facing. So Hazrat gave him this prescription. Now whether this outwardly adds up that what the problem is and how is this going to help, he latched onto it, but Allah Ta'ala is the giver. Allah Ta'ala then makes that the means of his protection. So we go to do what we have been explained, what we have been prescribed by our mashayikh, the giver is Allah Ta'ala. Allah Ta'ala will make our work get done. Allah Ta'ala give us all the tawfiq. Allah Ta'ala enable us to practice on all the commands of the Quran Sharif, the way of life of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in the way as explained to us by our kabir. وآخر دعوانا عن الحمد لله رب العالمين سبحان الله بحمده سبحانك اللهم وبحمدك نشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت نستغفرك ونتوب إن شاء الله أفتح ظهر الوشاط بوجه